because we are living in a chemical world and I'm a chemical nondescript person. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical girl or boy. We are living in a chemical world and I am a chemical Good afternoon, and welcome to Chemical World. I am Kenna Crampton. And I'm Maggie Seldine, founder and director of High Rockies Harm Reduction, here to celebrate a beautiful pride with all of y'all, and happy one-year anniversary to Chemical World. Yay. Yay, happy Chemical World, and happy pride to everyone out there. So we are excited to be in the studio today recording our June episode. So we have a lot of other exciting stuff to share. It's going to definitely be a fun and exciting summer as we're allowed to kind of go back to socializing inch by inch. We wanted to first of all let everyone know that High Rockies Harm Reduction is going to be having our first fundraiser on June 26th. That's a Saturday in Miners Park from 4 to 8 p.m. That'll be here in Carbondale. Yeah, it's going to be really fun with live music and a silent auction and cornhole and face painting. Oh, yeah, all sorts of fun activities for kids of all ages. And uh, we are really excited about some of our auction items. We've got some really, really cool stuff that's already been donated for us to raise some money. That's right. And we'll also be doing some Narcan trainings there as well, which we're really excited about to do some in-person Narcan trainings and also be giving away Narcan and fentanyl test strips. Yeah, absolutely. We're, you know, super excited to just create some awareness around the work that we do and give out some free Narcan in addition to all the awesome silent auction um, and just activity prizes we're going to have, some High Rockies Harm Reduction merch and lots of ways to donate. And this is all for our fundraising, for our mobile services and needs assessment that we're set to start in July, which we're really excited about. Yeah, we're going to, and this will just be a really great opportunity to learn about what harm reduction is, all, you know, different forms of recovery, you know, just educate yourself on what is going on. (laughs) And I think, you know, celebrating one year of Chemical World, it's a great time to kind of come back and, and talk a little bit more about the same stuff we've been talking about for a year, but now in the context of High Rockies Harm Reduction is an organization that's out there, and we've had um, quite a bit of press coverage, both myself and the organization, and of course, it's not all good because this is, you know, controversial work, but we just really seek to help people understand what it is we're doing because I think that there's a lot of stigma and misunderstanding around this work. Yeah. And, you know, when we started the public affairs show in order to uh, let everybody out there get an idea of what it is that High Rockies Harm Reduction is going to be doing. So now that High Rockies Harm Reduction is actually doing the things that we want to be doing and helping the people that we want to help, then um, we want to, you know, just touch base about it. And also, we there's just so much to talk about when it oh, comes yeah. to addictions, um, whether it's 
when we're like last week we talked about all different types of addiction but um there's so much to talk about so we're just gonna keep on talking (laughs) yeah and specifically with high rockies harm reduction i get so passionate and i'm definitely a fast talker and so there's a lot to digest because of course we've been leading with our most controversial foot forward which is the syringe access programming um that component of high rockies harm reduction but that's really such a small part of what we're doing bringing safe syringe disposal and sterile syringe distribution as well as all of the education and prevention that comes along with those services as well as fentanyl test strips these are all completely new to our region there are no other organizations trying to do this although there are a couple safe disposal sites around the valley but it's really just a very small part of what we're trying to do it's kind of like Um, For all of you people out there, open-minded people out there, it's sort of like Planned Parenthood. You know, it's a very small part of what they do is abortions, which is, is of course, the most controversial part of what they do. But really what Planned Parenthood is there to do is to prevent abortions, you know. And so it's kind of what we're doing. We want to prevent people from uh, dying and overdosing. We want to prevent people. We want people to stop taking harmful drugs if we can, but if they're going to do it, then let's make sure they're doing it safe. Absolutely. And we're not necessarily, you know, neither condemning nor condoning these behaviors, just accepting that they happen. And these programs and strategies don't lead to more use. They just lead to less disease, less overdose, and fewer costs. These programs save taxpayers $7 for every $1 spent simply just in preventing new HIV cases. That's a great argument. (laughs) Thank you. And then, of course, yeah, overdose prevention is a huge part of what we do. And that is part of that is safe use education and prevention work, but also getting Narcan and Naloxone out to people. And just a reminder that I am like the primary contact point for Narcan and Narcan training in the Valley for individuals and organizations. And there's all sorts of laws protecting you to legally carry and use it. And so that's a huge, huge part of what we do is overdose awareness and getting Narcan into the right hands, which are everyone's. <laughs> yeah, and that's just Maggie at HighRockiesHarmReduction.com Thank if you, you need anything. Yeah. And yeah, in addition to our event on June 26, we also hold first Friday Narcan trainings on Zoom and we're always happy to schedule other Narcan trainings. So find High Rockies Harm Reduction on Facebook or visit our website HighRockiesHarmReduction.com and yeah, reach out to me. So why is the syringe access part of it so important? Because for me, this is how we connect with our most underserved and truly unreachable segments of society. Because in my experience as being one of these individuals, these are the folks who avoid going to the hospital, avoid interacting with the police, avoid really interacting with those parts of society that could potentially offer them help and resources as much as possible. Pretty much anyone outside of the drug using community they don't they want to avoid yeah and it's understandably interesting I've been having this conversation with a lot of people recently I think it's easy to sweep drug use under the rug to sweep crime under the rug because when you're not immersed in that lifestyle you are truly blind to it and you don't Mm -hmm. realize and Mm -hmm. there's a hundred examples of shady behavior that you might not notice if you weren't immersed in that lifestyle for myself I grew up in the quote unquote criminal lifestyle or, you know, the criminal element. And our system has been basically criminalizing our behavior if we're not part of the social elite, you know, 
-hmm. impoverished individuals, people of color, people of just alternative lifestyles and alternative religions and just alternative choices. You know, I don't I don't understand how supposedly the majority of society exists this one way when everyone I know is existing a different way. And so the syringe access piece allows us to reduce disease transmission, help people use safer and just engage with people in a non-judgmental safe space shame-free judgment-free zone so that they can get what they need which is truly just love and compassion if somebody feels loved and wanted and a part of society then they have a lot less reasons to use but if you feel ostracized criminalized and just generally discriminated against why would you not continue using and why would you not continue existing outside of that society that criminalizes you Mm -hmm. and also why is it important to use clean needles and to also have a safe disposal of dirty needles? Absolutely. Using uh, clean needles is important for a lot of reasons. Clearly, um, we don't want people sharing needles because they can transmit HIV or hepatitis or other bloodborne illnesses. And so that's a huge, huge component of this. And we do have increasing HIV rates throughout the Western Slope and some of our regional counties. And this is definitely an issue we've been seeing more and more of. Hepatitis C has been, you know, a specific area of concern for Garfield County Public Health in recent years, as have other strains of viral hepatitis. So that's a huge part of it. Additionally, there are some pretty disturbing images of what the tip of a needle looks like after it's been used one time, Mm. seven times, ten times, even by that third to fourth time, or even the first time that you use a needle, the tip of it is is microscopically bent and blunted. And Mm. so this increases the risk of tears, I mean, any time you're injecting something, you're breaking the skin and you're creating an open wound that could, especially if you're a criminalized or impoverished member of society, is could potentially lead to some pretty severe medical issues down the road if not treated properly. And then when you're using those old, dirty, bent broken needles over and over again it's creating deeper tears it's creating more potential for infection and just some pretty terrifying wounds and so wound care and first aid is a big part of syringe services Mm -hmm. and helping people you know learn safer practices so that they're not injuring themselves and they're not potentially putting others at risk. And again, if you're somebody who's like, this doesn't affect me, but you're a taxpayer, well, every time this person who may be dependent on government subsidiaries to you know, fund their health insurance or whatever, every time they need wound care, that's your tax dollars at work. Mm-hmm. And again, it's cheaper if we can prevent those wounds than people you know, having sepsis or abscesses or staph infections and, and the, the things like that, because that's going to be more time in the hospital needing more services. Mm-hmm. And then the disposal of the dirty needles is important because people will leave needles all around parks and just different places that we don't want dirty needles around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, to, you know, the, it's funny because this is the piece where basically the arguments against these kind of programs are a little oxymoronic in the sense that they actually 
do the opposite of what people are afraid they're going to do. They reduce mm-hmm. public needle stick injuries, which are an issue in our communities here. They keep our parks clean. They also reduce the risk of like a public overdose that you would mm-hmm. find somebody overdose. They also kind of tend to, um, you know, actually keep people off the streets in general because a we help get people housed and employed you know employed and get all their basic needs met to the best of our abilities and so it's you know less homelessness less poverty just you know less of all these (laughs) I think there are a lot of intersecting issues that we're all working on as a community and it's homelessness and substance use and vehicular accidents and housing instability and you know health equity and all these things and all of these things we're trying to address through these programs And I just see it really as, you know, grassroots addiction treatment. These are programs created by people in addiction for people in addiction. And we have the power to reach people in a more meaningful way than someone in a white coat who is completely detached from that person's reality. Totally. And that's where it's like, you know, we're not trying to say anything bad about the medical community by any means. It's just about people who have been in these situations who understand what these people are going through. If you're not addicted to something and have never been addicted to something, it's really hard to understand why people are doing these things for these substances. And we can relate and understand because we have done ridiculous, crazy things to get substances in order to alter our minds. So we understand. Yeah, you know, and as an addict and a former injection drug user, I feel very triggered every time I go to the doctor. And, of course, we want to help people have better relationships with medical health providers and behavioral health providers. That's our whole goal Mm -hmm. is to get people the help they need because they're not going to get it on their own a lot of the time. And that's coming from, you know, personal experience. Yeah. And, of course, there's always that judgment piece, too. If you feel judged, you're not going to want to communicate with those people who you feel judged by. Everyone has judgments and it can be hard to not judge people who live a lifestyle different than your own. But we have to understand that everyone is a human being. Everyone deserves equitable treatment and health care access. That's right. Especially in the United States of America. Absolutely. <laughs> So and something that I wanted to share, too, on the note of the efficacy of syringe service programs and just, you know, how beneficial they can be for communities. First of all, I know there's been a lot of concern about we're going to become Seattle or San Francisco. No, we're trying not to become Seattle and San Francisco with all these wealthy people coming into our communities from the city. This is going to exacerbate these issues even more, and we should curb them before they even start. We know that alcoholism and addiction are huge issues in our communities, and we know that what we've been trying to do isn't working. It is time to reinvent the wheel because the wheel's not working. And addiction is not about willpower. It's about coping skills, right? Celebrating the benefits of syringe service programs, Arizona, at the end of May, actually just decriminalized syringe service programs. Arizona is a very conservative state, and the fact that they have decriminalized syringe service programs is a huge win in my eyes, because if they can believe in the merits of syringe service programs than anyone can. And I'll tell you, the Sonoran Prevention Works out of Arizona has been operating for years, and they are so amazing. They actually are how I got my first naloxone training in Denver several years ago. So I'm just really excited that the Arizona government has finally acknowledged just how important the work that 
organizations like Sonoran Prevention Works and High Rockies Harm Reduction do. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad that you mentioned the um, the piece about not wanting to turn into these big cities because, as everyone can see, the population of Carbondale alone is blowing up and has been blowing up for the past few years. And um, so just with, with more people coming in, more issues with homelessness and cr- crimes and everything. It's just that's what happens when there's more people in one small space. So uh, like you said, we just want to nip this in the bud if we can. Yeah, and just these programs have been shown to work at achieving the goals that we are attempting to achieve. And so another comment that I saw a lot getting thrown around was, oh my God, this is such a disaster that a program like this would open, right? And I just wanted to touch on that because to me, the disaster is that we're losing people in our communities all the time, that people are dying from overdoses, that young people are taking pills laced with fentanyl, that there are so many accidental deaths happening in our communities, that there's disease spread, that there's increased in increasing crime and just general issues surrounding housing insecurity, you know? And so, again, the disaster is already happening. We are not the disaster. We are the cleanup crew. Totally. And I just, someone just told me yesterday that a good friend of theirs overdosed just from doing drugs that were late, that was laced with fentanyl. Yeah, that's the problem is we don't know that it's fentanyl that we're taking and it could be hidden in anything and we're losing lives truly by accident. And it is very terrifying what's going on out there. And so, you know, again, Narcan is like the best tool that we have. And that's kind of another comment that I've heard. And I actually thought this was fascinating when this was first this argument was first proposed to me. I was doing a training for um, students at CMC and a student commented that he had heard that Narcan had been used as enabling. And I've heard that language, but I didn't understand really what it meant until this moment. And what he said was basically people think that they can use as much as they want because the Narcan will revive them. But then the person who's responsible for reviving them with Narcan bails out or uses themselves or is just nowhere to be found when need be, right? It's a sad story. Recently, I was presenting to the Board of County Commissioners in Garfield County on um, our local overdose rates for 2020, which I'll share with you in just a minute. And a member of the public came up and spoke about how he had sat down with a police officer in a Midwestern town of 100,000 people and that that police officer had said that Narcan is too accessible and that it's dangerous to have it so accessible because in that town, six kids... And I'm not sure their ages. These are just the words this gentleman used. Six kids died at a party because the person who was supposed to Narcan them ended up using. That is terrifying. That is a true tragedy and and such a sad story and also just illustrates why it's so important to train people on this. And why it's so important for the police to have Narcan on them and for first responders to have Narcan on them also. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, nothing can bring back those six kids. That's a tragedy. But I don't think that that negates the benefits of Narcan as a life-saving medication. Absolutely not. That's an isolated incident where one, I mean, that's, sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to rant about it, but that is obviously an isolated incident. And Again, that's why it's important for police to carry it as well. 
Absolutely. And it's it was still life saving. I'll also say I don't really care what goes on in a city of 100,000 people in Midwestern United States. It's not really relevant. And that I sit down with police officers here in our communities of less than 10,000 people on a regular basis. And so what they're telling me and what they've been saying, which supports Narcan, is much more important than what somebody somewhere else would say. And the police here, I have said that they've saved people's lives with the Narcan here, right? Absolutely. One of the local chief of police said that he believed, and this was before I got this data that I'll go over in just a second, that because of truly my efforts to get Narcan out into the communities and promote promote awareness about it, that that's why we saw fewer overdose deaths in the region over the past six months to a year. And as a matter of fact, that's actually what the data kind of shows. So over the past year, we've all been talking about how 2020 is going to see this huge spike in substance use, this huge spike in overdoses, and this huge spike in suicides, right? Anecdotally, we definitely are seeing that huge spike in use. And in liquor store sales, we're seeing that, you know, and people are just stuck at home and bored. I can understand wanting to, you know, change your mental state a little bit. But we actually did not see an increase in suicide deaths in Garfield County. And we think it's because people weren't alone. They were home with family. Additionally, our overdose death rate in Garfield County only increased by one. And that was prescription opioids. Hmm. So prescription opioids continue to be a definite scourge in our communities. Methamphetamine, cocaine, and heroin deaths, I believe, all remain stable. And again, I really truly believe that this is because of the collaborative efforts of myself and organizations like MindSprings and other behavioral health entities and our police departments in getting Narcan out there and getting this awareness out there because I know that we saved multiple people in our communities in the past six months. And so our numbers for 2020 and 2021, which I actually think will probably be higher than 2020 at this rate from just what I'm hearing in the community, but they would be even higher if it weren't for this work. Absolutely. So, you know, people can say whatever they want about Narcan, but I'll tell you, overdosing is not something that you want to do on the weekend because you know you can survive it. Even knowing that, it's still not the most pleasant experience. And at the end of the day, we are saving lives. And that's really all we can do sometimes. But it's one of the most important things we can do is just keep people alive. Absolutely. You can't save them if they're not alive. Yes. Thank you. Kenna, do you have any comments on any of this? <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I mean, I, not that I know. I don't. <laughs> While Garfield County's increase in overdose deaths in 2020 was pretty minimal, I do think it's worth noting that Picking County actually experienced a, a pretty sizable increase in opioid deaths and heroin, fentanyl, and prescription painkillers all had increased rates of overdose deaths in Picking County. And I just think it's silly for us to pretend that Garfield County, Picking County, and Eagle County aren't really all just the same we're all it's yeah. not the same but we're all very interconnected and so the data at one end of the valley isn't just as important that is interesting that picking county did see an in a significant increase in garfield county saw less of an increase especially considering garfield county is significantly larger than picking county isn't it oh yeah and that's you know, when I talk about doing this work in Carbondale, it's because I think that incorporating Picking County is so important to this work because they continue to see increases in death and disease 
at a much higher rate than neighboring counties, and they are much smaller. And they're definitely a part of our community. Yeah. I know that what we're talking about is pretty novel. Not a lot of places think that harm reduction and recovery go hand in hand, but to me it's just common sense. We want to help people be the best versions of themselves, and we want to do that by meeting them where they're at, which we believe is the most successful strategy. Totally. And we want to also remind everyone about our event on June 26th from 4 to 8 p.m. at Miners Park. And remember to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at our website, HierarchiesHarmReduction.com. Come see us on the 26th or find us online if you have any questions. I know it's a lot to digest, but it's all good stuff, I promise. And yeah, just reach out to me, Maggie, at HierarchiesHarmReduction.com or give me a call at 970-618-4194. And thank you for listening to Chemical World. Chemical World is created by Maggie and me, and the theme song that you hear every time was created by Muggsy Fay. Don't forget to send us your poems and prose to Maggie for our September episode celebrating Recovery Month through our Recovery and Addiction poems. And stay tuned for our next episode coming out on July 12th. We'll be live in the studio. See you then. And remember, you don't have to be sober to keep your community clean. If you have been using dope, there are lots of ways to get clean. Methadone and Suboxone can help you withdraw with no DTs. Drugs can keep your body well while we treat your mind with counseling. Suboxone can help opioid addicts and their families Cause we are living in a chemical world And I'm a chemical nondescript person We are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical girl We are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical girl or boy We are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical Drugs may come and drugs may go, and that's all right, you see. Experience has made me rich, and now I can use safely. It might be beer, it might be dope, it may even be caffeine. But we all have a little something that keeps us on our feet. What's important is being safe and stopping the spread of disease. You do not have to be sober to keep your community clean Cause we are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical girl or boy We are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical gender nondescript We are living in a chemical world And I am a chemical We are living in a chemical world